Hello, Josie. Hello, Maxibre. Welcome to a new week of Thank Puzzling you. Passion. Um, I just wanted to <laughs> to start out this episode with apologizing for our last week's episode. That wasn't out because we had some technical issues. So our episode got lost or it wasn't really lost, but the recording was very, very funky. Um, it was scrambled. It was very... Yeah, I don't know what went wrong. We we run with uh, a software that is called Voice Meter Banana because we're sitting in Discord right now. Um, and it gives us the ability to record the two separate tracks in audition. And I know that since my computer is always on, um, sometimes I need to restart the software. Otherwise, it's a bit buggy. So I think that it was that because it was uh, from the beginning, it was scrambled or it was like a, a, a strange, um, I would say, reverb, but a broken reverb, like it was missing bits of data. So um, but in that one, we talked about networking. So one thing or networking network in games or so the online feature of games. So um, if you guys want us to record it again, if it's something that you'd like to see, just drop a comment on. Ang I think you can you can comment on Anchor, right? I think so. And Spotify um, or our Instagram. We're on uh, Instagram at puzzling.passion. Um, and uh, you can you can just drop us drop us a message or whatever, and we can re-record re that episode. I think it was pretty good. And if if uh, there's any interest in that one, we can we can just do it again. Uh, as a quick introduction to that episode, it was about networking and uh, basically a deep dive into the technology of networking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so we were looking at the online feature of games basically and there were some nice insights there i think uh both from you um and uh, then i i dove a bit deeper into the technology of things but yeah if if there's an interested uh, any in interest from our listeners then uh, you're welcome to comment and uh, uh, if you guys want to hear it we'll we'll record it but this it episode, will be recorded anyway but sometime in the future yeah exactly otherwise. yeah yeah um exactly that's uh correct um but this episode we're gonna talk about something else and i i'll let uh, juice introduce this episode then yeah um today we're talking about level design and how you're how you can guide the player through your game through very meticulously thought out plans um uh, and or the other way around maybe you just created a, a level that is really just a box and why would you do that so basically a deep dive into the thought process of a level designer yeah and that's gonna be a very exciting actually um there is there is a finesse with making levels and keeping the player kind of immersed and interested in the game um and i was reading up on it as well because i wasn't very familiar with uh, with the subject of actual level i mean i know what it is but i ha since i haven't done it myself it's it's a bit harder for me to deep dive into that yeah and also i guess that many of our listeners don't really know the the extent to which a level designer has to think uh, because a level design isn't really just about putting boxes on top of each other and then you have a a, a super mario game you actually need to think in terms of how do you progress the player and how do you, uh, why would you put a question mark box here? 
uh, and why not just use a regular Super Mario brick box? Etc. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I saw there was um, in this article online. I saw that you know they they made the comparison to a restaurant, and you'd say that well, you know, if you own a restaurant and it has the best food in the world. Uh, nobody's gonna eat there if the inside of the restaurant is all messed up like chairs and bursting tables and uh, nobody's no, nobody's gonna come eat there and it's the same for level design i mean you can have the greatest game in the world but if you don't have the level design the proper level design nobody's gonna want to play it um, i would actually that was actually a real cool example there i want to add to that um think in terms of ikea um, and then you have basically what really good level design looks like in the real world. Because what IKEA wants is people to browse through all of their interiors, the designs that they have, etc. And the more you're actually exposed to it, the more you're more the more likely you are to buy something that you previously didn't really think you would need. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And what they did is they had they have these rooms that you actually need to go through each and every one of them. Um and of course if you're in a hurry that's basically uh something that you really are annoyed by but as uh, from a business perspective that exposure to the to the customer lets them subconsciously think in terms of hmm this might actually look great in our in our home and then all of a sudden they buy an extra lamp yeah exactly so that, yeah so that's a great example of level design and what level good uh, thought out level design could look like but in yeah. the real in the real world yeah because because i mean they they are really smart about that they expose the products to you whether you want it or not like you have to go through those places now they have the shortcuts but you still have to go through some places um where you where you actually have to see the product so they're they're doing that really smart and in yeah. uh in this article they were they were saying kind of it's it's the same thing basically with the restaurant and 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 the game where they said that well you know story character design and gameplay are food and then the restaurant itself is the level design right so you're exploring the restaurant to get to the food <laughs> basically yeah exactly. yeah exactly yeah uh so so uh that was very very interesting and you know there was a, um there was a great line they had is like in order to keep people engaged you have to um keep them believing um in in the world you created um and um yeah that's that's kind of very important for the g gamer to uh, continue playing your game keep them believing in in the in the story yeah exactly yeah and oh, in right, the world right. yeah 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 okay um, um i really like the uh the analogy there <laughs> because uh, the more i think about it the more the the restaurant thing can be applied to games because <laughs> thinking i mean level design is also about player progression yeah you really want the player to have a place where they can express their their skill level yeah. You hit them with a bunch of small, really easy to kill enemies, uh, and then you step up the game. Yeah. And throughout the level, you have 
buttons you have to push, but those buttons need to be found. Uh, and in order to find them, you need to beat this boss. And then all of a sudden you have this, this play progression where it gets harder and harder, but not in terms of uh, the player it, the player doesn't really feel that it gets that hard it's more that it's a challenge that as soon as they finish uh, or or succeed uh, and put the things behind them they feel relieved right yeah. so if, if you if we take the analogy of the restaurant that you had uh, you have this menu of uh, what is it called the by the, the, the you have the main course, you have the, oh, the yeah, appetizers, yeah. and you have the uh, dessert. What is yeah. it? The dessert, etc. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, and you can think in in those terms as now the player has some kind of progression system that hey, you just warm up to this, you get your your chewing uh, muscles going, and okay, all right, now you got the uh, really juicy, so, uh, soft, really. Mm. You feel like, yeah, this 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 meat really tastes super great. Yeah, and yeah. then well, as soon as you're finished, you feel like, ah, holy crap! I ate one kilo of pure meat, <laughs> and then all of a sudden you want coffee, right? <laughs> that's your reward. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's an analogy. I mean, you, you can think in those terms as uh, throughout this this conversation that we're gonna have right now. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, you're you're warming up first. You're warming up the player with, you know, you start them off easy. That's the appetizer, uh, basically, where where they kind of learn what it's all about. Yeah, uh, they dip, dip their toes into like exactly. Some... Yeah, they yeah. they explore the game. They explore the mechanics of the game uh, and all that. And then you get to the main course, which is the actual game and progression itself. Um, and then you get rewarded for it um, exactly and you're saying the, the word rewards there is key here because whenever the you you expect the player to do something you need to give that player a reward yeah but there's also it's not only expected rewards right as soon as you're finishing a boss you know that you're going to get a reward in yeah. zelda for instance you get an extra heart and you get some other item yeah um in in games like uh i can't really get take one on top of my head but anyway any game that has some kind of a boss battle will reward you in some way uh yeah and but there's also this thing that is unexpected and these unexpected rewards are really key to keep the player uh, curious yeah. And to let them feel like, hey, what if I take this road instead of just following the expected main road? Yeah. What do I get? And then all of a sudden you have this, um, you have this feeling of the cu cu curiosity and the feeling that you're exploring the world, not because you have to, but because you want to. Yeah, yeah. And that yeah, is really key. And if, that, if you if you feel like you have to, then it's not fun. You're not having fun at that point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, games like Uncharted do this really well. Yeah. And I've attended some of their uh, level design lectures, 
and they are really interesting to listen to. If anyone here who listens to this podcast right now has a chance to listen to the the guys at uh, Naughty Dog and their level design and how they actually approach stuff, please do because they are really good at it <laughs> and they this real they they talk about it really openly as well. So yeah, well that's uh yeah that's that's a very valuable insight. I mean they've they've really nailed it with uh those games even though you know i haven't i haven't played uncharted that much but it feels like uh based on what everybody else thinks they they kind of nailed it there it was yeah. uh yeah a successful I, game i was actually i when we were studying i think it was the first uncharted that came out during our study period and then the second one came out and I think just a couple of years ago, I just started with the second one, which I probably shouldn't have and started with with the first, but hey, <laughs> <laughs> I started with with the second and then went through the third and fourth, and then I just realized, hey, I didn't play the first one, so yeah. I had to go back. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. But, if you really like the game, you're going to play it anyway, right? Exactly. Yeah. There's there's some stuff that, uh, I mean, that are reoccurring, and you know things work out in certain ways and you know where to look if you're uh, if you're looking for treasures etc yeah yeah um and one of the things that the the naughty dog people do really well is their use of landmarks uh, now what a landmark is in game terminology is that there is something way in the way way back in the background but you see it and you are constantly reminded of this is where you're supposed to go. Mm. And then if you just take in just a screenshot at, of where you are, you can, you can really see how they make great use of negative space, which is basically space that your, uh, your brain processes them as some kind of a thing that you don't care about. Yeah. But it needs to be there in order to contrast the thing that you really do care about yeah yeah uh, one example of that is say a bush you have a bunch of bushes on your right side on your left side you do know that there is something there but you don't really care you're basically guiding the player's vision through those uh, on the side of those bushes to that landmark in in the background yeah yeah and they do this also really well not only because they they show it off in the background, but they do it in a way that is fluent. You as a player, if you if you sit down in a car in Uncharted and you want to drive off to that <coughs> sorry, to that landmark, they do it in some kind of a snaky way. Mm. You, the the road isn't isn't straight. They really do uh use curves and stuff like that in order to guide the player's vision to yeah. that landmark yeah and that's a cool thing and they do this really well yeah it's like a subliminal thing where they they use several several things to attract your attention to they like guide you and your sight and your senses and everything towards yeah, exactly. the place they want to do and that's the art of it right because that's that's the hard thing to do um to to guide the player in in such a way that they look where you want them to look and they do exactly. what you want them to do throughout the level. Um, and also, you know, it's it's a science to make that happen 
and still give the player a sense of well i'm exploring this freely right exactly it's like exactly. a magic trick you you yeah you're looking here but stuff are happening over here so so you know that's that's the real science uh, behind it which is um, very very cool uh, to be honest and scary yeah exactly because yeah. people can control mind control you into thinking that you're the one that in control, but actually, ooh. Uh, yeah, and I'll I, pay five dollars, <laughs> and you give them money for it to, mind, to control exactly. your mind. <laughs> but um, you know, I, I read this. Um, it was all this is kind of a. Um, there's a term for it actually, or at least this article that I read uh, has a term for it, where uh, both you know movies and books. Are based on and, and games of course are based on the same um, idea that's called suspension of disbelief so it's like um, the concept is getting people to believe what's happening in a world that is not real so it's a fantastical fantasy world because you know it's not real right I mean you, you as the player you know this isn't real um, but you still get them to believe in it and you get them in suspense so and this is the the thing that you touched on earlier that they need to know what happens next because you know some movies are for example uh, you watch them and you're like oh how much how much longer do i have to watch this that's that's you um not believing in that world anymore it's not believable to you you know and and you know that it's i wouldn't say fake but you know um and you lost interest it's it's not guiding you anymore it, and you you lost that immersion factor um and then at the other end of the specter you have those movies that even though you know everything is fake uh you're just drawn into it and you need to know oh what happens next what happens next the same goes for series basically and and all that um and that was the thing with you know you keep keep your audience believing in the world that you're you you created um so um yeah that's uh, uh that's the suspension because you it, it's suspending your disbelief basically uh which is an yeah. interesting term i see what you're getting at uh yeah. now when it comes to movies and stuff uh i actually did study a lot of movie uh theory um because i really like stories and how stories are told movies is basically exactly that yeah. Uh, now I have a real big problem with movies that are and series for that matter that are really. I am. I know what's about to be. What's about to happen? No, they're obvious. Yeah. Yeah. They're really obvious, and yeah. they do this um, in a fashion that is basically the same from movie to movie. But of course, uh, I mean, some movies are cliche, and you gotta live with them. But a movie that I really like is a movie that is not only unconventional but also gives me the the will to explore it a little bit more i really want to yeah. know who why did they talk to that character uh, or why did they show this scene from this angle because yeah. the what they do whenever they shoot stuff they do this with a thought in mind and yeah. whenever you watch a movie um where where you see a, a transition from one one scene to another, if you think about it, you have a focus on the character uh, throughout that scene, 
And as soon as the transition occurs, your eyes are actually in the same place. And that's when they place that's where they place the next main mm -hmm. thing that you're supposed to focus on and then yeah. transition throughout the scene, etc. Yeah, and that's that true. is that's basically the same the, the same theory behind it. You want the you want the player or the character that you're uh that you're looking at to guide the player or the viewer in this case. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, in certain ways. Yeah, and it's and basically it's, the same theory. It's it's the same. I mean, because I I feel the same, and it's also about the the mental challenge. Like, you want to be, you want to think throughout the movie, and it's the same thing with games. It's like you want to properly challenge a player. Um, that's why levels should have increasing difficulties because the players are getting better at the game. They're getting better at understanding the mechanics while they're playing all the time uh, they're getting better at all, all of these and these things and let's say if the the level um difficulty was the same throughout then you'd think like well this is easy right because it since you're mastering the mechanics more and more and you know more and more about the game and how you can um, use different different things to your advantage you're uh, you're basically you need that challenge of a greater difficulty all the time so you can actually find the game entertainment entertaining sorry um if if all levels were the same ch challenge challenge or difficulty level then i guess you know most most people would find it pretty boring after a while just because you're you're mastering the game at the beginning you're learning stuff and unless you know some games give you new tools and new um, and new challenges along with those those tools right um, uh, and then you, you kind of have to think well yeah i got this new skill or i got this new thing and i have to solve this new type of problem okay now it's interesting again um, otherwise i think that players would be boring uh, bo bored right yeah but the players are boring as well <laughs> uh, what you're saying there is actually touching on something called the flow uh, the player th the player flow yeah. Uh, or the flow state that you really want the player to be in throughout the game. Uh, basically, you have to, if you're thinking in terms of two axes, you have one one axis, the, the y-axis, uh, saying, uh, portraying how hard the game is, so the game challenge, for instance, uh, in other words, uh, and then you have the player skill on the other axis. So yeah. x equals player expertise uh, and y equals player uh, the game challenge yeah. and if it's if it's too much to your left and way up high then the game is too hard yeah and there are some games that are really uh, that really do want to be in that uh, place because they want the player to feel that as soon as they finish something they feel the the reward it's not actually getting a reward that's the the thing that makes them motivated, but it's that they actually could beat the level. Yeah. For instance, the the souls the souls game. Yeah, are I was really gonna say exactly those actually. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, They're really is... good at this. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah, they they challenge you so much. And for me as a player, uh, personally, I really dislike those kinds of games because <laughs> that wastes my time. In terms of, I don't get, I don't get any progression in terms of story or 
uh, any any yeah. other kinds of yeah. progressions, but is focused on purely on that reward that you feel yourself. Yeah. And that is a cool thing. And they are successful because people are probably like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, they do have me, a fan base, I can say. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, but for me, as a, as a player who really wants to get dive into the world of things, that just takes too much effort for me. Now, on the other hand, if you have stuff that are too much on the right-hand side of that graph, uh, but very low in terms of challenge, then the game is too easy. That's what you were talking about just to, yeah. just a minute ago. Yeah. And there are there are games that are like that as well. For instance, um, open world oh, sandbox games. Yeah. Say that you had there's a game. What is it called? A universe sandbox or something like that. Mm-hmm. That is basically just one level, and whatever you do is up to you. You could just uh, draw some. You can, you can just take some sliders make the sun 10 times more massive add more planets to the system etc it's all up to you yeah but you basically get no progression at all yeah i mean uh, what you said about the souls games that's that's a that's a pure like um mechanic uh learning thing Uh, because they 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 base you know you have the the only way you clear a level in those games if you know exactly the mechanics of the entire level basically um yeah. and that's that's like you said well the reward for you is that you learn exactly what that level looks like what enemies are there uh where they're going to be at what type of attacks they have you know everything and you because you know you don't unlock a level you just repeat it all over and over again and there are a lot of people that like that you know because they're they're like well i'm mastering this particular level and it's just repetition repetition it's like training it's like repetition of the same thing to get good at it um but yeah yeah and once upon a time i probably would have liked that game (laughs) Uh, (laughs) because when i just i just realized that when i think back to the times of super mario on the nintendo uh, entertainment system NES. Yeah. Um, the game, the Super Mario game, isn't that hard if you if you think of it. But you can spend a lot of time finding stuff, and that for me was really rewarding. Uh, for instance, I know exactly where every uh, green mushroom is. Yeah, yeah. If you if you ju- if you jump in some in certain places, you get you find these hidden boxes. And within them, you find stuff. Yeah. Uh, and that for me was really rewarding. So I basically spent a lot of time trying to master every level and find every mushroom <laughs> that was out there. <laughs> yeah, but it's uh, the same. It's the same because it's the same. Uh, it's the same type of reward, right? It's it's like well, I mastered this game exactly you know i know exactly what's happening and then of course new software which develops uh, dark souls they 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 do a flip on you with i mean i i know i i mentioned this before but in bloodborne it's uh it's like well you know you now now you know now you know that that um your 
you have this level and you know exactly where stuff are and then if you revisit it at this new uh insight level it's completely different <laughs> it's like oh thanks thanks i spent like 20 hours learning this or 10 hours or whatever <laughs> <laughs> and you revisit it and it's like well okay not the same mobs or the same mobs but new attacks uh okay and it's like you know it's completely crazy um, we we want you to spend more time on our game. We don't want to. We we don't want to be the ones adding a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> into into creating new stuff. <laughs> exactly. So, it's it's a uh, it's uh, it's a cool system. I mean, for, for yeah. I, I'm a I'm a Dark Souls fan. I I like that. I don't have enough time to to spend on, on those types of games anymore because they do take a lot of time. Right now, it's more like you said um casual games or pvp games just because they're uh less of an en engagement uh that you have and and um less time that you actually have to plan you can just jump in and play but i um deep I down inside I, to, I would argue against you there the i don't think that there is less engagement but no, yeah, that's less, true. That's true. It is less of a hurdle for you to get over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because you you kind of have to be, you know, um, it's um, they're they're very special those games just because you have to be um, mentally prepared to um, play the game, right? Because you know you're gonna fail a lot because they're insanely difficult the levels. Um, and you know that you're gonna spend a lot of time on it, so it becomes a, a bit of a mental barrier for for you to to play. Um, if you have the time and you feel that it's it's fine, then then it's you know you just just jump in and and you die ten thousand times uh, until you you clear a level or several of them. Um, but if you don't, then it's like ah, nah, I'd rather play something else, which is much more um, light, I would say. Um, yeah but yeah but that's a way of designing levels and it works yeah, yeah. and it and it depends on the game uh this is just one super uh, super hard mega game uh but in terms of pvp games for instance if you if you think in in terms of valorant yeah. there is a there's a lot of room there are a lot of rooms out there that you can step into and there are a lot of corners that you can uh, make use of in order to conceal yourself uh, from the enemy but there are also a lot of boxes that are stacked on top of each other and the boxes how they are used is not is really determines the the way you as a player can interact with the world yeah and there are a lot of places that i found that are really they're really smart boxes uh, stacked on top of each other for instance there was one place in uh or no, let's let's think this way instead. Uh, from one patch to another, there is a level which is called split. Uh, I'm sure you know it. Um, if you go from if you go from site uh, from the mid place towards site B, there there was this corner very long time ago that you can that you could just stand in, and that was really giving an edge to those who were defending the game. Yeah. If, uh, defending the the site. Uh, so what Riot did was they took that corner and they just shifted it like forty five degrees, and now you have a you have a wall that basically is useless. Yeah, yeah. And those small changes really can set 
can really have an, a huge impact on a PvP game. But having the same, those small changes made in in a game, say like Super Mario, really wouldn't have seen. It wouldn't have been having any impact at all to yeah. the player. Yeah, because That's that world definitely. really has no. Yeah, uh, it has no meaning. Yeah, I mean, I would say like it's it's completely true what you're saying. Um, in PvP games, those types of let's call them physical level design or architectural level design or I don't know. Yeah, architectural would be nice. Yeah, uh, those matter a lot because that you know players are going to learn to use something to their advantage or they're gonna be at some kind of disadvantage because everything kind of matters, especially in FPS games where you can hide behind corners like you said the the visual aspect of it what you can see and you can't see is very important in those types of games and also how you can see it right because it's like are you higher than the other player lower lower than the other player so height and all that and angles do matter for who who gets an advantage over who uh, depending on where where you're standing while like yeah. you said in pve games it's not you know story driven games it's not really that important um, yeah exactly and and you're saying the things that you were saying touching on there were really interesting because uh the architect the things that you do in the architectural level design actually in this in this case has an impact on the game mechanics yeah this was not something that right games probably set out to do but this was the way that people played the level and mistreated it uh, they abused the level in this way which gave them some kind of an advantage yeah yeah and that's really hard to do yeah it is i mean you never know because when you're designing stuff it's it's always the same thing i mean it's it's the same not only in level design and game design it's in product design and everything you never imagine how people are going to use your product uh, if it's a game or if it's you know an, an app or whatever um, there if it's not a very very constricted space of course if if there are several degrees of freedom uh, you'll see people do the craziest things because people you know you you think in one way then another person thinks in another way they see that as an opportunity to do something you're thinking well you know this shouldn't be too bad this is good and then somebody sees it from a completely different perspective that's why they have betas right i mean it's just yeah that's one way yeah that's one of the reasons why why you have this beta stage in in the early uh in the later stages of game development yeah you do have alpha stages as well and also pre alphas yeah, yeah. Uh, but it all depends on what kind of uh, uh game you're creating and what kind of uh, budget you have yeah yeah that's true because i mean you 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 would like to see well are are these players using this the architecture that that we design in the way that it's meant to be used or are they able to abuse it in some way you know are we giving advantage to some some teams or not in pvp games in pve games you know it's yeah it, it's not really the same um those, but it's more in, in those kinds of games that are there is you need to think more in terms of how do I guide the player exactly 
So you as a game developer or the level designer need to be able to think in terms of what do I want the player to see in this instance? Now, yeah. for instance, say that you are, you're a character that plays, let's, let's say Uncharted. You get into a city and the city is basically, there is, a lot, there is a marketplace that you are in and you want this to feel alive. Now, we could, of course, just put in a bunch of people uh, and hope that the player just walks the, the, the correct path. But there's also a thing that I, that I talked about previously with the landmarks. You want the player to know in which direction he is supposed to be heading. Yeah. And one of the ways that uh, many game developers do this is they have a cutscene in the beginning. As soon as you get into a level or uh, open a door and get into the next in the next part of the game, there's some kind of a cutscene where the camera angle is uh, moved towards that landmark. And then as soon as you walk, you always get reminded of that landmark. But whenever you, you take a snapshot of the game, uh, what you see on your screen doesn't really necessarily have uh, give you the opportunity to see the landmark. Of course, there are games, like I said previously, Uncharted. Uh, but in the, in, in the context of this, uh, this uh, well, market that I was talking about, you could place the, the stands a bit more in front of each other, the back of each other. Some, uh, some of them occlude your vision. You get some of them uh, blocking some places where you can't go. Yeah. Uh, but when you get there, you can see that, hey, there was a chest here, for instance, or, oh, this guy sells me some spices that I can use to, I don't know, do something. Yeah, with. yeah. Uh, and all of those things add up to guiding the player in the way that you want them to feel that they have control over where they go, but yeah. still are open enough for you to to guide them. Yeah. Uh, sorry, open up for them to feel like they're in control, uh, whereas you're actually guiding them yeah. towards the goal. Yeah, yeah, because it's it's all about and and I mean it. I agree completely with what you're saying. Um, that's far more important in PVE games, and also um, to manage the pacing of the level. Like you don't want spikes exactly. in difficulty, and you know suddenly it becomes very easy and blah blah blah. So you need to kind of have the right pace that the player can progress so they don't feel like you know it's going too fast and it's getting too hard too fast and the same the same at the other end of the of the specter or spectrum um where where you they they shouldn't feel like they're standing still either it's like oh i i've been here a long time and i can't manage to to make this level what's going on because then they're gonna lose interest as well uh, yeah. in the game so it's it's far as long more as important. it's not something uh, like a game as uh, like Zelda. Zelda did this really well. I don't think it was intended, but there is a thing. There is a water temple in Ocarina of Time, and any, anyone who has played uh, Ocarina of Time knows this. Uh, every temple that you get to is basically straightforward. You know exactly where you're supposed to go. Uh, oh, I got a key here. All right. Uh, let's see where this takes me, and then you just follow the path, basically. But then you get to the water temple, and then all of a sudden, everything that you've learned up until then 
doesn't really matter because the water sample is really hard <laughs> and you really need to pick the exact right path in order to get through it otherwise you can throw your water bottle let's call it that <laughs> <laughs> around you like it was crazy yeah um, and but the thing is after after the game has progressed and you actually got through it and years later you can still find people that hey i played the card enough time oh how did you get through the water temple oh my god yeah, yeah, yeah. really and it's a thing that people talk about right now uh well a couple of years ago and yeah. when when the game that i really like came out uh the uh, i'm just too tired right now <laughs> uh the game that came to we uh we you uh, which uh you mean Twilight Princess? Twilight Princess, thank yeah. you very much. Holy yeah. crap. Uh, <laughs> when, when Twilight Princess came, the the challenges of those temples really felt like empty. And especially the water temple in that game, because you had this aching memory of the water temple <laughs> and how it was really hard. Uh, so, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, that's kind of cool. It's like a huge spike in difficulty difficulty level can be something that you know people will talk about for years and years just because yeah. it was but first i mean you can't i don't think you can do that with your first game maybe it might be hard uh i think it would be really hard to, to hit that yeah because zelda is a franchise so they already had the fan base they knew that people will go are going to play this they they had been out when did ocarina of time came, uh, come out that was for uh, uh, what, like was it for the nintendo 64 or the 64 yeah so that's like 2000 and what three two or three or something could be even before that maybe i can't remember yeah, we probably. did the zelda feature and i forgot when ocarina of time was released 98 98 there you go yeah exactly <laughs> so so but they they all they were already around for like 12 years then and they had built up a franchise and they had a base a, a player base that that loved the games so then you can do stuff like that i mean when you have that in place if you have a franchise and it's a very successful franchise then you can you know get away with far more things than if it's your first game of course just because you you do have the player base um, yeah. yeah, but I don't really think it was intended. If yeah, it was, been, it yeah. is. If it was intended, then please, <laughs> whoever created this game, Nintendo, <laughs> <that> level, <laughs> speak, speak. Yes, please speak. But up. <laughs> Nintendo will always say, you know, ah, oh, it was intended. Look, they're talking about it today. Yeah, exactly. It's it's our best move ever. Dance for puppies. Yeah, I'm a kind of some, something like that. It's it's you know, they're they're never gonna deny. <laughs> uh the fact that it wasn't intentional you know it's uh, but um the, i want to say i want to talk about something else. we we've been touching on this this subject a couple of times and we've said that the player has to like rewind and find find ways to hone their skills uh, yeah. with the same enemies etc uh but there's also a thing that uh within the level that gives the player some kind of uh, recognition that they they feel like hey i actually believe this world uh, yeah. you were talking about the the suspense of disbelief exactly uh, and symbols can be those things etc uh, for instance let's say that you have a, a car racing game but the, in some kind of a future 
setting or yeah. uh, say in space. Having uh, symbols that resemble the ones that we have today that people can actually recognize, uh, say left turn, right turn, stop here, etc. Those kinds of symbols, although they might look different or have a different kind of aesthetic uh, and kind of different meaning, they can still be something that we recognize and said, oh, okay, now I'm supposed to actually stop. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, whenever you play a game that is story-driven, you have this press A to continue yeah, uh, yeah. the dialogue. That is one way, that is one symbol. That is a kind of a symbol that is a, that is a like, prefabricated thing that you as a player recognize. And yeah. those things can really have an impact on, on you as a player yeah i mean recognizable features are very very important definitely i mean you you yeah. need to be able to relate to the game or actually you know kind of translate it people have this this need of translating it into the real world in some way and make it relatable that way that makes it more believable it's like well you know yeah why should we in the future if it's a car game why should they have replaced red means stop to green for example it's like uh, doesn't make any sense today maybe that will happen in the future we can't know but you know the the players their mindset is from today what's real today and what's happening today so you can you can change certain things but recognizable features and like land landmarks i'm going to use that term but yeah um they they are key to the player's immersion as well um and i think also you know it's like when you're doing this i think you have to consider what platform you're doing it for as well because I, I mean like mobile players for example they they don't play as long as console players i don't think they have the same session times on on playing their games so Actually, shorter you'll levels you'll be, you'll be really surprised as to how many how how the games on mobiles have progressed it yeah, has gone yeah, from this kind of like casual games like Candy Crush, uh, etc., to these really high-end 3D yeah. FPS games, and especially MOBAs are really, really huge in in China and and uh, Indonesia and those those countries. Yeah, they actually play MOBAs more on mobile and on on PC. Yeah, it's I mean it's understandable because the the hardware of of the mobile phone has advanced extremely fast yeah. so they're very performant and and they have very high performance even i mean you're comparing them to some laptops and and all that uh and you, i mean if you look at like an ipad pro for example which is not a mobile but it's still a pretty mobile device it packs quite a punch and you can actually do productive stuff with with that yeah. and they do have pretty good gpus as well so um yeah it's uh it's uh beginning to to be more complex on on mobile devices i mean call of duty was on on mobile wasn't it it's like, yeah i think they yeah they released one but i don't know if uh, i think they they took it back or something there was an issue with the uh, call of duty i don't really remember uh, okay I won't go into the details because I actually don't know the details about it. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I think that there was some kind of issue with uh, Call of Duty. Hmm, that's interesting. Because, I mean, that, that would be one of one of the games that people would, would spend many more hours on. Because I was in yeah. imagining that, you know, 
Well, mobile players usually don't have as long sessions, gaming no, sessions, no, as PC players and console players, for example. They can actually have longer uh, due to the fact that they can they can switch between uh, different tasks. Say that they they they're playing something uh, that is session based. Yeah. Uh, they can they can always just minimize it, do something else, and go back to it. Yeah. Uh, and many people actually sit on on their phone doing. Facebook and TikTok and whatnot, uh, and then just go back and play. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's true. Uh, then I guess those what I was thinking about the shorter levels and stuff doesn't really. It's kind of that that um, line between mobile and PC games is starting to be more and more grayed out. Yeah, so maybe you know. Uh, it's not really applicable to design shorter levels or far more less complicated levels for for mobile than you would yeah do but you for still need PC. to think in uh, say that you have the same level on both pc and the the uh, the mobile version yeah there can still be hardware issues that lets you as a developer take one path in contrast to the other one say for instance you have uh, you have a dark alley uh, and you want the player to climb the ladder to the f- fourth floor for instance, yeah. uh, how do you get that player to realize that first of all they need to climb to the fourth floor, uh, but also how do you do that in such a way that doesn't uh, obviously tell you go there yeah. uh, without yeah. any interaction? Uh, yeah. Well, one way could be just hinting with uh, with a light, for instance. Yeah. Uh, but lights in terms of mobile can be uh really uh what is it called performance heavy yeah yeah depending on the lights of course and how many shadows you have etc but anyway uh that could be having a flickering light or uh, if you're on the pc couldn't maybe couldn't be translated into a mobile version because the flickering light would be draining your battery for yeah 10% more or whatever. I'm, I'm just like throwing yeah, something Yeah, I know what you mean. It's it's more like you should consider your constraints, basically. Exactly. Yeah. As a, my point is exactly that. You need to you need to focus on what is it that you try to attempt to, uh, pre- to present to the player and with the context, within the context of your hardware. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because that's always going to be a limiting factor for what you can and cannot do. I mean, that's the ultimate limiting factor, uh, really. Um, and also, I think, know your audience, right? It's what what type of audience do you expect for your game when you're doing this? Is it a younger audience you're, or is it an older audience? You know, it's, it's like science-loving people or, you know, what what type of of audience do you expect for your for your game because that can also impact level design at least you know well yeah i guess both in game mechanic game mechanics and the look and feel of the the levels i i'm assuming exactly uh yeah. the look and feel is definitely one of the things that that is impacted on uh, from your audience but also on how you want your level to be portrayed yeah uh, and within the context of your aesthetics, you are constrained by certain uh, a certain number of uh, 
things that you can do. For instance, the, the flickering light would be one of those examples. Having uh, a cartoony look uh, would probably make your dark alley not really that dark, which would basically give your flickering, uh, flickering light an unnecessary performance waste of hardware because it doesn't really actually give the player the the guidance that they need to have yeah yeah so it's uh because different audiences are looking for different look and feels as well so they they will also constrain you in terms of what types of freedoms you have when you're designing the, the levels um so it's i think it it might be uh a tip to uh, know the audience that you're aiming for before you start level design or before you actually start your game yeah that's true that's true yeah, you actually <laughs> need to know exactly where where your what is your niche audience yeah and i really want to emphasize the the word niche there because you can't really create a game that suits everyone well, if you do have an infinite budget, then please, by all means. <laughs> but there, the, the the player base that you will have will be constrained, uh, will be a constraint, and having that in place in an early phase not only tells you as a player this is what I need, this this level needs to be created in this way, but also gives your publisher a way to to. Uh, compare your game to any other game that may they might have pitched uh being pitched yeah um so there's there's that as well yeah i mean it's um it's it's very very interesting that i mean you can you have to think about um what happens in your level as well in terms of story and plot as well um yeah. and you know that that kind of also decides who your niche audience will be um i mean take a game like Cy cyberpunk for example it's gonna be it's something that is super hyped it looks and feels amazing but i mean there will be players out there that will never play the game just because it doesn't appeal to them there there are elements there that they don't you know they don't like they don't or they're not playing those types of games or whatever so you even with a massively successful games you won't be able to please everybody uh, i don't Take know which a, uh, i was I just gonna just ask on something there yeah do uh, it and i'm gonna ask my question afterwards yeah uh, i want you to think in terms of PUBG and uh, fortnite yeah. those games are basically the same were basically the same uh, in the beginning in the early days of uh, both of the games and there was a lot of uh, legal stuff going around Basically, the gist of what that was was that this is the same game. The only difference here is this game is more tailored towards a uh, specific audience, which is more uh, they really want to have some kind of a realistic look to them, while the other game was uh, more accessible, more stylized, more yeah. believable. And, well, the rest is history. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's... That's true, because um, PUBG was a more realistic take on things, and Fortnite is a more fantasy. But they do, I mean, Fortnite really knew that we're going to target the young audience here. I mean, they really, because it's not a game, it's a, it's an 
immensely successful game, right? I'm, I'm it's like, but it's not something that's appealing to me. For example, I, yeah. it's like no, 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 no. I, I wouldn't play that. I would rather play PUBG, and I'm not a. What, what are those uh, battle royale games? Yeah, I, I was rubber yeah, ducking you. Sorry. Um, um those those types of games i mean everybody launched a game like that like ea launched apex and ubisoft launched hyperscape it's called it's kind of same same but different um then you have PUBG from from uh, epic and then uh sorry not PUBG, uh, uh fortnite from from epic and uh call of duty has one as well uh this uh i don't know what it's called but i know that there is a battle royale call of duty game um so everybody kind of launched their version of that game but for fortnite at least it's very very obvious that it's aimed at the younger audience it's not something i mean i i'm i'm pretty sure that there are 30 plus people like us out there that play fortnite but for me nah not really um, yeah and in terms of level design it's really, it's really centered about uh, around this mechanic where things just collapse on you, right? Yeah, yeah. Now it was quite a while ago that I looked into Fortnite, but basically what I, what it was about was this huge circum that forces you to encounter each other. Yeah, and basically. how do you get resources on your way in order to? make the best play that you as a player can have yeah. and that is one way for the for not only is that a mechanic but it's also a way for for epic to create the player progression so mm, yeah. you have this you have this really etched out way of you start out way beyond your uh, some borders and then you just uh, collapse on each other more yeah. and more throughout the game so yeah. that is one way of pacing the game uh, and also Making sure that the game doesn't last more than whatever, say twenty minutes. Uh, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it puts both a pacing constraint and a time constraint on the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. I know and Fortnite, you can build stuff as well, so that's another yeah. mechanic that they introduced. Yeah, and and you do this, you actually need to do this in uh, in a world where it makes makes you feel that you are safe, right? You, yeah. you need to do this. You, you need to make use of the world in such a way that you can build the best possible build for you to shoot your enemy. Yeah, down. exactly. You build That's a good. tower or whatever. They yeah, build exactly. platforms and climb on them, and then you can shoot them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and fr from a, from a level design perspective, that is that is your ultimate goal. You want the player to feel like they're in control, while still you're the one guiding them throughout the game. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're uh, almost at the hour mark, so I just wanted to ask my question before. Do we yeah. know which is the most successful game in the world? Fortnite. <laughs> really? Yeah, it is. It is? Yeah, it is the world's most successful game. What's the player base there? In terms of number of active players. Yeah, exactly. But that's exactly and what, also, I, what uh, I meant. And like I sold, all, it's a free exactly. game, but you know, you can't count sold copies on a free game. So no, yeah. but you do get, you can count the number, the, the, the return that they get from the game. Uh, every in-game thing that they have uh, that you can buy with real money. Oh yeah, yeah, that's uh, true. True. Yeah, so that that's the thing that you can count, and I'm pretty sure that that uh, Fortnite is the most played game ever. What do we know? Do you know um, 
what the active player base is right now? It's like, no. is it? Because I, I know it's that... It's in the millions. Exactly. I know League of exactly. Legends was 111. I think Fortnite was something in terms of two or 300 million. That's that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's But very... of course, no. They, I mean, it, it, they're bound to have some kind of uh, multiplied... I, I mean, I can have like three accounts, right? Uh, they're, they're, they're bound to be some Smurf accounts here and there. Uh, but also, this is a game that not, not only is it on PC, but there's also on Switch. It is also on the uh, uh, on mobile, and yeah, you that's have it true. also. That's true. So it's kind of unfair to also compare that. It depends on which platform you're looking for, but basically, the most world's most played game is Fortnite. Yeah, I checked it out while uh, listening to you and uh, yeah as of may 2020 they have 350 million active players yeah it was a good estimation then. <laughs> yeah yeah uh, and with that i mean we can <laughs> we can say goodbye <laughs> and go build a, <laughs> a battle royale game <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well that train just left so i don't think i, I need, yeah. you need to be you need to create a new genre yeah, that's true. That's Basically, true. exactly the thing that Souls games did, but on the say the opposite way. <laughs> it yeah. makes stuff too easy. Yeah, Let's that's see true. If it works. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah, we passed the hour mark. Do we have anything else we want to say? No, it was a cool episode. It was fun to talk about uh, level design and game design, and uh, of course, it is inevitable to actually touch on both. Uh, subjects even though we set out to do this as a level design uh, episode yeah yeah but they they, but uh, they are so the linked point. together yeah, yeah yeah exactly um well great and uh just a reminder just uh um message us if you want to hear the networking episode like soon so we will re-record it and uh, otherwise we'll do it sometime in the future yeah okay then uh, right. I think we can end. Thank you, Jules, for the conversation. And uh, yeah, see you next you. week. Yeah, bye-bye. Bye-bye.